On this week's episode of Marketing O'Clock, we tell the story of a new platform appropriate feature on LinkedIn. The Google SERPs get an expansion pack. Google releases new ad controls to double down on their commitment to transparency and control. Get a Life takes on new meaning as we talk about new ad units you can leverage to orange crush it. We featured a literal dumpster fire take of the week that had us all wanting to hop into a suit and make some ads. (laughs) Jess tailors her jokes to fill in for shop, but they're the reason for the teardrops on my guitar. All on today's show. Marketing O'Clock is your weekly dose of digital marketing news, a proud part of the Search Engine Journal podcast network. We record every week from the Cypress North Studios located in beautiful Buffalo, New York. Tune in to our critically acclaimed Famous Friday News Show for insights, updates, rants, and much more as we cover the full gamut of digital marketing for you. If you want to follow along, just check out our show notes or head over to marketingoclock.com for all of the links from today's articles. And please subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. Hey there, I'm Greg Finn. I'm Mark Saltzarelli. And I'm Jess Budd. And it is officially Marketing O'Clock. Here on December 18th, 2020. Remember, you can catch our famous Friday news show on YouTube or your favorite podcast player each and every Friday morning. All your digital marketing news from the week. Powered by the digital marketing community. And if you want to join the conversation, just hit us up. We are at Marketing O'Clock everywhere. All right. And Christine, a.k.a. Shep, is out making a baby. So it's just the three of us, Mark, Jess, and myself. And we wish Shep well with her baby making. So, Mark, what's happening with you? Well, since Shep isn't here, I feel like I can talk about this safely without any sports ball, um, sports app, football (laughs) app rants. Um, I am really excited about our Buffalo Bills. I have never seen a good Bills team like this since I've been alive. Like, I don't remember when the Bills were good. And this is a first for me. And I've been so excited. Like, we're one game away from clinching the AFC East title. Where was I going with this? (laughs) (laughs) Not to the arena. (laughs) Yes, that's what I was going to say. I was saying it was so Buffalo. Like, I have season tickets, and it is so Bills that the year they're doing absolutely amazing, we can't go see a game. (laughs) It is so fitting that the year we finally get this type of team, um, we can't enjoy it the same way, but it still feels just as good. To be fair, you're saving yourself the heartbreak of being in the playoffs and seeing Josh Allen lateral to his right guard while he's running down the field or throwing a Hail Mary to a fullback. So you got that. That was my prediction, Greg. How'd you know? (laughs) What's up with you, Jess? Literally nothing because we're doing nothing and it's cold and we can't go outside. So I've just been eating goldfish and whatever else. That's a problem. (laughs) When you have kids, like you just eat all their food and the puffs, everything's delicious. Oh, the puffs are so good. I I keep them in my car for Jack. (laughs) (laughs) But I don't know. It's little wins these days. Just eating snacks and living the dream. What about you, Greg? Well, flash quiz here. Everybody's Mm. favorite kind of goldfish. Pizza. 
Wait, this is a quiz or a survey? Yeah, well, I don't know, survey. It's <laughs> <laughs> no right answers here. Everything's wrong. I I think just the the plain original goldfish. Okay, I was gonna go pizza, but I'm gonna go parmesan. Oh, if you want to go high class goldfish, it's parmesan. I'm just glad no one said pretzel because sorry, pretzels. But... Oh, like that's my sister always had the pretzel no. ones growing up, and I'm just like they're just small pretzels. Yeah, it's Snyder's are bust with pretzels. Yeah, and you'll also see what's up with me is finally got these shirts made. Our hashtag criminal and raise your budgets. Everybody's got them on here for Thanksgiving. They're limited edition. People aren't gonna get them by uh, by Christmas now. It'll be a 2021 surprise from all of us Thanksgiving gifts here. So we've got those and we're gonna have some giveaways actually. I've got a few extra ones and we're gonna give away a few to our listeners. So we've got a hashtag criminal and then the Joe Martinez special, the raise your budgets shirt as well. Love it. And if you have a grievance to air or a spicy take to share, anything you wanna get off your chest, the phone lines are open. Visit call.marketingoclock.com and leave us a voicemail and we may just play it on next week's show. And if you just can't get enough of our beautiful smiling faces, don't forget to snag your ticket to the SEJ eSummit. It's coming up January 12th and 13th. 150 bucks gets you a ticket. You'll see not only this crew coming at you live on the main stage, but a whole bunch of other amazing speakers. They've got panels on SEO, PPC, social content, everything. There's something for everyone. Don't miss it. It's going to be a good time. And even though she's not here, we just can't keep her name out of our mouth, our Shep Zernhout. <laughs> She wrote this amazing Google Ads book um, with help from other people at our agency, Cypress North. And it's really everything you know need to know about Google Ads to be successful without any of their propaganda of optimization score and all of that jazz. It is the, the truth, how to be successful, how to set up your campaigns for success. And you can find that over on Amazon. You can get a beautiful, beautiful paperback copy with a lovely cover that is no longer um, having issues. Or you can get it on Kindle. It's the ultimate Google Ads playbook. Find prospects online, deliver the right ad messaging, convert leads, and accurately measure success with Google Ads. And today's show, oh, one other note, we are no longer in the plexiglass palace. Out of an abundance of caution, we're waiting on to make sure everybody doesn't have COVID here. So <laughs> we are all out. Apologies for the audio. Once we get all those negative tests, we will be back in studio. And today's show is brought to you by you. As you just heard, we are headed to the e-summit and want to bring you all along. So please tweet to us with a question, a take, a poll, something that you would like to hear us discuss about the year that was 2020, according to digital ads, and what you're looking forward to with 2021 and what was good or bad in 2020. We'll add it to the show, give you full attribution, and bring you along to the e-summit with us. And I'll give somebody a shirt. We've got only sizes small through extra large, I think. But I'll give away a shirt to somebody that tweets us at Marketing Clock with something that they want to discuss, questions, anything on your mind in regards to digital ads. I hope next year we can do this in person and have a t-shirt cannon. Oh, fun. Ooh, that'd be fun. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And let's get to the news here this week. And as reported by Roger Monty, Martini Buster over at Search Engine Journal, Google 
is testing interactive search results. And they're interactive. So this is technically correct, but it really is kind of just like pulling images into the search results when you hover over one of the blue links in the SERPs. So Roger said that the test features a discrete icon that when clicked reveals the images that are featured in the web page. And that is true. But for me, I was able to get this replicated by simply hovering over the result. And if you're watching on YouTube, you'll over on the Search Engine Journal channel, you'll be able to see this live, the example here with marketing a clock. So what I'm seeing isn't the expansion of like a description or anything, or something where you'd see site links come through. It's just images pulling in. And there's that GIF right there um, that will be over on marketingclock.com. And you can see sometimes it looks cool and sometimes it's just weird what pulls in from the image standpoint. Um, but again, it, I've seen up to three different images pull up underneath that search engine result, and it, it seems sort of random as to what's being pulled through. So what can marketers do? I mean, my first thought was along the lines of some canned cooked pork made by Hormel Foods Corporation. Am I right? Like I'm looking at our results and I want to like spam this. I don't want just an <laughs> image of us coming through. When I hover over marketing the clock, I'd like to be like, hey, it's a digital marketing newsweek released on Fridays. If somebody hovered over that, I'm like, oh, that's what I'm looking for. That would be a good result. I don't want just like a background image of us with our names. That's not as helpful as I think you could make it if you actually tried to game the system. So I think if this sticks around, you're going to see people gaming it because the results are not that intuitive to, towards what you would think would show in the SERPs, right? Do you, mm -hmm. do you guys see that? It looks kind of strange. Yeah. I'm not, it's like a shiny new toy. It doesn't really do anything. I'm really not sold on this. It's yeah. like, also they're calling it interactive search results. Like aren't search results already interactive? Like yeah, you yeah. click on them. They don't want you so, to click Mark. They don't really? want you to click. They want you to hover <laughs> and not go anywhere. Like, Never leave Google. Oh, we're putting Google images in the main SERPs, basically. It doesn't make any sense. It is not helpful. Like, I could see maybe if you could, like, play a video or had, like, infographics or something that actually, like, helped you complete the search intent. Mm -hmm. But what? <laughs> I'm this is you. also this example is like just our faces over and over and know, over again. It, so <laughs> well, don't, you just wanna, don't you just want to spam it and make an image on there? That's just yeah. for the interactive SERPs. I sure do. Okay. We should do it. You want to test it? Uh, yeah, we'll do it. We'll do it and see what happens. Let's do it. What's next, Mark? Google is just releasing tons of really helpful things this week. They released greater controls for sensitive ad topics in your ad settings and like wow i can't wait for them to take this away in a year <laughs> google said in the release building tools that provide transparency and control has always been a top priority for us mm-hmm yeah yep mm-hmm mm -hmm. and over the years we've empowered people to shape their ads experience through user controls said in the same year where they removed transparency from their ad platform and then didn't give a transparent explanation. What do you mean you're tr always trying to provide transparency? Like, no, no. Shameful. Hashtag criminal. 
And now that I've gotten like my salt, my sass out of the way, what did they actually do? First, they introduced about this ad, which we've seen on some other ad networks as well, basically explains why you're seeing that ad. Um, on Google properties, you'll see um, kind of that info button and you can click on that and then click why this ad. And then on non-Google properties, you'll either see ad choices or paid for by, and you can click on that to see how your information and your website activity has caused you to get served that ad. Um, this is rolling out in 2021. I wanted to like test this out to see what it was, but I think this could be hilarious with bad close variant matches mm. where you're like, why did I get served the search ad? And it's like, oh, cause you searched this. And it's like, actually I did not search anything remotely close to that. <laughs> and then um, they also released ad settings, which allows you to control how ads are personalized and you can opt out of personalized altogether but it says at an account level which i assume means you'll be required to have a google account to opt out so basically google is asking you to feed them more information about yourself in order to opt out of them using your information like doesn't mm -hmm. that seem a little backwards and it then mm -hmm. you'll be able to view and update those personalization characteristics that um, Google has collected on you and then opt out of certain ad categories, which is cool. Cause I think like my Twitter, um, like what they think about me is like completely <laughs> off. So I think like that is kind of cool where you can actually like get ads that are more relevant by updating that. But it does kind of seem like it's more of a play to improve their ad platform rather than kind of help people with like security and like personal safety and preferences. Yeah. And so, one of the examples you know, I liked about it was the alcohol and I think gambling were yes. some of the two that you could you could get out, like you could remove yourself from. So if you're an addict of, of one shape or form, you could say, I don't want to see that. And I was trying to look and figure out why they were doing this. And it actually seemed like there, there were good intentions behind it. Like I didn't see mm -hmm. anything malicious with it. And, and as much as hard as we are in Google, like I, that is something that I think people will appreciate is not being, you know, bombarded by alcohol ads if they don't choose to do so. Yeah. I That's think bad. that is, that is the one piece I really liked about this is being able to opt out of those categories. Um, the category opt out I thought was great. Some of the other like, having to give information to get information taken away kind of part was kind of confusing, but opting on the categories I thought was amazing. Something else I love last year in the main news, something new for LinkedIn, which I love so much product pages and they're calling them product pages, but it's really a tab, but it's a dedicated tab in your company's LinkedIn page where you can feature your products. So it's aptly named product pages. And this is how they summed it up in their announcement. Spotlight featured customers, showcase ratings and reviews, leverage your best media and drive valuable action with a custom call to action button. With product pages, you can build trust with buyers and generate high quality leads. And I actually think that this is really awesome. The announcement also said you can specify job roles that are relevant to your product, which is really cool and could help, you know, more powerful searches happen and people find your products if they are, I'm assuming in those job roles. 
So they look pretty nice too, based on the example that they shared um, in the announcement. And we'll have it on YouTube. If you're watching, they shared an example that Trello, uh, the product is Trello. And you can see there's like reviews. They got a 4.8 out of five. Good for them. Uh, there's that custom call to action they talked about, get started, uh, which is great. And then you can learn all about the tool. And there's a cool little thing, um, connections that you have that are skilled at this product, which I think is pretty neat. You can then reach out and directly message people. It's great from a research perspective. If you're considering a product, someone you know uses it, really awesome. But my one gripe with this, at least from a business perspective, is that they do on the right-hand side, pretty prominently towards the top, have a similar products column. So it makes it really, really easy to then click over to a competitor. But that's just from a business standpoint. I don't love it from a user perspective. I think it's great for research and I, I understand why they did it. So... It's pretty cool. So, I mean, I said it before, I love LinkedIn as a joke because everyone here, our listeners know that I'm not a power user, but I do think that this is actually a really cool platform appropriate feature that they've added, unlike stories, which just in general are toxic sludge making their way fern gully style into all sorts of places that they absolutely <laughs> do not belong. So I hope to see more of this in 2021. You guys are laughing. Do you remember Fern Gully? Do you remember no. that movie? No. I had it on VHS. Okay, um, I particularly, that. I had the second one and I didn't even know the first one and I would watch Fern Gully 2 <laughs> all the time <laughs> on VHS growing up and it was one of my favorite movies. That makes me happy because I don't think you were born yet when the original came out. It was like 1992. I was looking into it, but I knew that you would know it because it's a non-Disney, Disney-esque animated film. So I'm glad you're here. And I also didn't know there was a sequel and now I'm going to have to find it, plug in my VCR and, and borrow your tape. <laughs> you can borrow it. I'll go to my parents' house and get it. And Jess, Thank you so much. I was on a mission to find out when you said Trello was 4.8. I was trying to see where the 0.8 came from and if there was on like really bad review and, and see how these, these pages work. Yeah. And there's a review from um, Surav and he says, pros, effing amazing with, without the sensor. Mm. cons there are none comma love it four stars <laughs> See, that is so like some people just won't give a five they won't. and it's rude like you have nothing not a bad thing to say and you can't give a perfect score like you're just mean out there ruining trello's reputation <laughs> awful trello we're thinking of you <laughs> now it's time for this week's take of the week this is a hashtag fire digital marketing take with extra spice served up for you. We simply deliver the take for your consumption. We give no opinions. We don't influence. You make the call. All right. This week's take of the week comes from Jason Freed from Basecamp fame. He has a tweet and I'll just read the tweet and I'll go into the backstory a little bit here. That's probably the best way to go about it. And again, I'm going to have to censor this. He says, Buying ads is effing boring. Making weird, wonderful, audacious things is not. Hear how we almost parted ways with our head of marketing until we decided to take a chance on something entirely different and 100% fun, Arrow. And it goes to a podcast called The Dumpster Fire of a Year. And so I listen to the podcast. So you don't have to. It is not worth listening to. But he said... And, and it's, a, it's a huge departure, this tweet from the actual podcast. They weren't about to get rid of this head of marketing. It's kind of sensationalism. Mm. Um, but so here's the backstory. It's 2020 and, you know, these circumstances we're in are hellish right now. And it's a pandemic and we have record unemployment and much more. But Basecamp was launching a new mail service, Hey, and you probably 
might have heard about it. I know we reported on it um, back in the day. But ads are boring, so they had to do some marketing, and the marketing director had a fun idea. And so they let people email an email to an Hey account. Then their thought was you print the email off to a physical form, and you get the email to go into a actual dumpster fire. So you could be like, hey, 2020, and send that email off, and then the 2020 email would go into a burning dumpster. Um, and from the podcast, they said, using our marketing bucks to build a cool tool to try to abate some of that. That's a cool mission. I like it. So you send the email, boom, it goes into a fire in physical form. So now you may be thinking, why is this good marketing? And the answer is- I'm thinking why it's not in the cool tool segment. <laughs> the answer that this is good marketing is, it's fun. It's fun. You're burning stuff, right? And I'm, I'm joking, but this is a thought from the marketing person um, about the marketing perspective of how is this working? And they said, so not really caring about any of the conversion stuff and just having it be totally about the experience is very, very refreshing. It's like you're being in a suit all day and then you go home and put on your comfy sweats and just like, ah. So, so here's my issue with it all. Further in the podcast, they talk about the fact that there is a physical dumpster. They use a shipping container and there's always a human standing by ready to hit a big red button to turn the fire off if it goes on too long. And the fire is run by a 500 gallon tank of propane and a giant thing they call the pig. And the paper can get stuck. And so people need tongs to unstick the paper if it gets jammed up. And if wind happens, the paper goes flying. And so they originally planned for this to be 24-7. But people had to be watching this and unsticking and shutting the fire off and adding more propane if things happened. And if the software crashed, it's a bigger problem. And the conveyor gets jammed up. And so I kind of think that's hacking boring to me. That's boring standing by and unjamming paper and filling the pig full of propane. This sounds like the only thing they're burning is money, paying somebody to do that. And also that many people wrote emails that went into this dumpster fire. <laughs> they were all There's... from people who work at base camp. <laughs> this is our marketing plan. <laughs> our I, mean, sure, plan. I bet you it was fire. fun. <laughs> but like... I think it's like they emailed the marketing plan. So they're burning the marketing plan in the dumpster fire. I, I mean, you, you know can how... just, yeah. no, you could just wear sweatpants. You don't need to do this. That's why I said, like, give me the suit. Give me the suit. I'll take the suit yeah. and I won't. 500 gallons of propane is a lot of prop. That's a lot of fossil fuel to burn for this cool, very cool yeah. thing. This is terrible for the environment. It is so wasteful. It is dangerous. And it's like how you're a, a, a major company, a project management software <laughs> No one cares. Like, you're not selling something that's like B2C even. Like, what? I can't imagine a possible play where this would be good marketing. Like, sure, if you were selling fire extinguishers, maybe. Like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like, jammed again. I, I really don't understand. It's like, oh, let's not worry about conversions. But it's like, you're selling a software product. You kind of have to worry about conversions. This is just like so bonkers. This they were considering firing their director of marketing. They should now. Yeah. Like I, this is, 
it's just so terrible on so many levels. Like I get you need to do something fun, let some steam out. It's not been a great year, but this is just so wasteful and irresponsible and stupid. It's like a, a prank a frat would do. Yeah. Except no, I take that back. They're not that. No, rescind that statement because I don't know if they're capable. I mean, if a frat did it, you would have heard about it. We didn't hear about this. We report on the news every week, and this is the first time we're talking about this. Like, it didn't work. Ads can be fun. Don't don't just have boring ads. Yeah. Give me me the suit. Just have an ad that doesn't say click here. (laughs) Or you know what? Do it. It's better than this. (laughs) (laughs) And now it's time for this week's I See Why Am I? This is something you just might not have seen. Maybe something you overlooked. But you shouldn't have. I see why am I, people. From Nava Hopkins on Twitter, at Nava F. PSA. You now need to remove keywords instead of just pausing them if you want to copy and paste an existing ad group or campaign to retain structure and ad creative. Thanks, hashtag Google. Upside down smiley face, which top tier emoji and appropriate. Yeah, this is awful. Negatives are negatives. Like, and that's really depressing about this is after I kind of looked into this to see if I had any problems with this in my accounts. And I didn't have any problems in Google, but I actually had some issues in Microsoft where... I had search terms for things that should have been negatived. I didn't have any clicks, but I had like five impressions, zero click search terms for things that there were pause keywords for, but I had negatives. Bye-bye negatives. (laughs) Yeah, send that to Basecamp. (laughs) (laughs) Now it's time for this week's lightning round. At this point in the show, we split up our content into three parts, paid, organic, and social. First up in the paid news this week, Google Web Stories ads are now available via Display Network. Google is launching a programmatic ad solution for Web Stories and making it generally available to all publishers using Ad Manager and AdSense around the world. This new feature makes it easy for publishers to start earning more from Web Stories so you don't have to worry about like only being able to monetize it with like affiliate links um, in that nature. You can actually do it through Google now. And just to be very clear, this is through Ad Manager and not Google Ads Manager. If you want to monetize that, very confusing. Maybe Google needs to work on those names. I can. I will never get over that. That they change MCC to Ads Manager, and you still have Ad Manager, which is for sites. That is unbelievable. Um, send that to Basecamp at hey dot com <laughs> and to dumpster. <laughs> Lead gen marketers rejoice. Great news from Super Sleuth Andrea Cruz at Andrea Cruz92 on Twitter. Hey, Marketing Clock Super Team. I spotted the lead gen form extensions on desktop back in November. So they haven't been exclusive to mobile for a few weeks. So I love this. Very excited. Lead gen form extensions are cool. Um, but B2B, I mostly do desktop only. So Great to know they'll finally be relevant for me. Yeah, that's super exciting. This is like huge news. And I can't believe we didn't see it back in November. 
but it, it, it does seem to be a test. I haven't seen it in my accounts. Yeah, I'm glad she called us out. Made sure we knew. Thanks, Andrea. From the man, the myth, the legend of social media, Andrew Hutchinson at AD Hutchinson on Twitter. What is he doing in your lightning round? He's mine. (laughs) (laughs) We have to share him now. He's in here twice. So buckle up. (laughs) Sorry. I'll be nice now. That's funny. It's fine. I won't be nice now. I'll be nice to you though. LinkedIn begins testing ads in LinkedIn stories. And Timothy Jensen tweeted this the other day. And I was legitimately looking at my screen and I'm like, how? I haven't seen a story from a brand or a connection in months. I don't know how there are possibly enough impressions from LinkedIn stories for their, to allow advertisers to start bidding on that. Yeah. Hey, Mark, do you know what you could definitely sell somebody with an ad on LinkedIn stories? Orange Crush. A life. <gasps> Ouch. <laughs> My best Norm McDonald. I don't know. <laughs> Kudos to you. I'll give you a golf clap for that one. I love that that was an impression. I thought you were just being you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I asked me, but mm-hmm. that's a Norm yeah. joke. <laughs> and just despite Joss, we have another article from Andrew Hutchinson. Rude. Um, Twitter will be providing more brand safety tools with ad verification partnerships with Double Verify, also known as DV, and Integral Ad Sciences, also known as IAS. And together, those letters make divas, which is what we're going to be <laughs> until you let us edit our tweets. <laughs> Bravo. Next up from Barry Schwartz at Rusty Brick on Twitter. Google gives new names to services across Google and shopping actions. If only they could also give a new name to ad manager. (laughs) Instead of seeing surfaces across Google in your ads account, you will soon see free product listings or free listings. And then shopping actions will be called buy on Google for both retailers and consumers. And any destination attributes using shopping actions will now use buy on Google listings. These changes will be backward compatible and they shouldn't affect anything in your accounts, ads, or listings. So there's really nothing to worry about there, but just so you're aware of that change. And of course, that's not all we have from Barry. So next up from him, Google ads is moving the campaign goal metrics. So kind of that choice you choose when you set up your campaign, like leads, conversions, like sales, um, they're moving it to your next to the campaign optimization score in order to make it easier for you to understand how optimization score prioritizes recommendations, to which I say, no, I'm still <laughs> not looking at optimization score. And honestly, the biggest takeaway for this article is not the actual news, but it is how Barry ends the article, which is these scores and metrics can be useful and sometimes fun, fun, that's it, (laughs) to see. But keep in mind, they are no substitute for your true metrics. And to that, I give a big retweet, ship, stan, big reach. If you want to take one thing away from that article that Barry wrote, that is the one thing. 
you need to pay attention to. Next up in Google News, um, but not to be confused with the other Google News, which is the feature on the SERPs. Just dropping us. <laughs> <laughs> From Mark Irvine on Twitter, at Mark Irvine 89. Imagine the hellscape in which you're a Google public relations rep and you have to write the sentence. While we no longer consider the U.S. 2020 election to be a sensitive event. And that tweet came on December 11th. That is before the Electoral College voted. The election wasn't even over. <laughs> and Google was like, no longer a sensitive event. Like, <laughs> like gotta what? get that money. <laughs> They're like, let's run ads. Like, I know like a month ago, we were applauding them for how they were handling election ads. And now we're like, ooh, mm, never mind. We spoke so soon. It's like, Google loves to give you something and then take it right away. And bonus content from Mark <laughs> Irvine on Twitter. Gmail is now serving, testing some promotions as top picks and hiding its Gmail ads in between traditional email to make Gmail ads even more easy to accidentally click on and so that advertisers get charged even more for clicks that don't even go to their own website. I started excluding Gmail from a lot of my display campaigns because these clicks don't lead to conversions. And I'm like, great, I'm gonna do this across all of my display campaigns now and do Gmail as separate campaigns, which is funny because they just removed Gmail as a campaign type. Like, <laughs> what is going on here? And what does it say for your top picks when you're like, oh, you're in your email, here are your top picks, it's it's two ads and here are two other things. <laughs> These are our top picks. But this is what Google's algorithm decided are your top picks. <laughs> Oh, no, no, okay. I have one no. word. No, that's okay. We're going to take a small break from Google to discuss some social paid social news, not from Andrew Hutchinson. So no worries, Joss. Thank you. From Marcus Stoffson on Twitter at Mark P. Gus. New Facebook feature alert. You can run calls in addition to forms via the lead objective in Facebook. Pretty dope to throw both in a CBO which is campaign budget optimization, which is no longer required, with cost caps respected to their internal value. For all of you weird people who find success with call ads, like I have yet to see it. I tried, I remember I had a company that was a client that was a software for um, contractors and we had call ads on. And we'd get these calls come in. I love them because we were recording them using CallRail. And I could listen to the calls. And the sales rep, instead of like selling the software to the contractor, the contractor was talking about how he had like installed like a really cool like glass shower the other day. And then the like <laughs> salesperson was like trying to like get this guy to come install glass in his house. And I'm like, you're supposed to be selling this person on the software. I'm like, this He's is what I have you. to work with. Yeah. And it's like, it's like this inception. is so backwards. And the person was like not interested in, in the like software at all. I think it was like an accidental click, which I'm like, most of these call ads on Google are like, the calls are so bad. I only put numbers on landing pages and don't do the extensions. Cause it's like, what is coming in? So that is my call ad story of the week. What's that in the sky? 
Is it a bird? Is it a plane? Is it a frog? No, no, it's not a bird. It's not a plane or a frog. It's taller shopping ads from Google. <laughs> from Barry Schwartz at Rusty Brick on Twitter. Google is testing taller shopping ads. Yeah, like we need the organic <laughs> results to be pushed down even more. I love this ass today. <laughs> it's all from this fur biker jacket. Thing. Is it faux fur? We didn't discuss earlier. Oh, it, it, it's faux. Thank it's you. Faux. I, I No animals were harmed in the making of this outfit. From Larry Chassie at L Chassie on Twitter. If you manage Facebook ads and have not set up two-factor authentication, this may happen to you. I like how when I set it up, they actually tried to use my phone number for ads. This for security reasons or a mobile phone number grab. Hashtag PPC chat. And I had my own issue with this where I don't use my personal Facebook account for or Cypress North business manager. I have a separate Facebook, so I don't get all the ad notifications. And luckily I don't have any clients who are running Facebook ads right now. And I set it up separately. So my two factor on my personal account was my phone number. And I was using the Google Authenticator app for Cypress North. What I didn't realize is that the Google Authenticator app only, like it's not connected to your Gmail account or your Google account or anything. It's only connected to your phone. So I got a new phone and I don't have a way to authenticate the way that I to get into my Facebook account for Cypress North. And they don't let you have the same phone number tied to two Facebook accounts. So like that wasn't an option. And I had to send my ID to Facebook to get access to my Facebook account. And they have not responded to me to give me access to my Facebook account. So then we had to finally just add my personal Facebook account to my Facebook ads. So just something to look out for. Just DM Rob. DM Rob <laughs> Leather. <laughs> he doesn't want it. But yeah, Larry, in that case, Larry couldn't manage or use any ad accounts, which is crazy. Yeah, because that's why I did it. Because I just like a client asked me a question about Facebook ads. I'm like, oh, well, let's go in and check. And I'm like, I can't even do that. So thanks for nothing, Facebook. <laughs> Rounding out the paid news this week from Sean Ellie at SLE2134 on Twitter. Google reps a thread. Out of the blue, I get an email from our new account rep wanting to set up a call to go over recommendations for the account. Me knowing how these calls go, send back a very polite, please send over your ideas via email and I'll take a look. I, I can't response. believe this worked. <laughs> <laughs> I know they weren't like schedule call now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Happy Monday, smiley face. Hope you both had a wonderful holiday weekend. Sean, I hope you're feeling a bit better. Wanted to briefly touch base. I saw a few optimizations in the account. Another smiley face. This person's really happy about stealing people's money. A few things I would focus on optimizing below. One, most of your shopping campaigns are down in conversions over the last 30 days. This could be an opportunity to either switch to smart shopping Please don't. Oh, God. For those campaigns, or move the bid strategy over to target ROAS. Two, the following campaigns are also down over the same time period. 
I would suggest moving the campaigns that are down over to the following bid strategies to drive better performance in return. And then it just says target CPA. Let me know your thoughts. I want to make sure I'm supporting you in driving towards your success metrics and KPIs, which Sean pointed out that this person has never once asked him what those success metrics and KPIs are. <laughs> and then Sean was like, what? And like looked into his Google Analytics account and looked at those shopping campaigns that Rep was referring to. And the ones that he wanted to either switch to smart shopping or target ROAS were actually over that 30 day period had actually gone increased in revenue about 20% and had a conversion rate increase of 13%. And the thing is you couldn't see that in the Google ads account because he's using data-driven attribution and that takes more time to show up in the ad account, which the rep should have known if he actually knows the Google product. Yeah, Andy's just talking about conversions. And when this was sent, it was the end of November, but he's got Thanksgiving in there. It, it, it's a total mess. It, it go go back, like listen to Barry Barry Schwartz. Like <laughs> it's fun, but hey, use your real metrics. <laughs> it's, it's it's very that. And then the other campaign, the one they wanted to move to target CPA, was even crazier. So that had a conversion rate increase of thirty four point six and a whopping. 42.63% increase in revenue. And this rep wants to change those campaigns. And it's like, it's so crazy to think that these reps like, A, don't really know how the product works. And B, they're just saying what Google's telling them to say to these companies. And these companies who aren't people like us, like don't know better than to not listen to them and to think about advice from other people. This is, there's one thing missing though from these recommendations. Raise your budget. <laughs> Someone go put on their other shirt. <laughs> and now our new segment, Beyond Google Ads. Google doesn't care about you. We do. And this week we are talking about Facebook and targeting parents. And this comes from our forward slash PPC, the Reddit channel from SD Squish over on Reddit. And they were trying to target parents. And they said, should be pretty straightforward, right? Parents, filters, interests, etc. Wrong. I've been testing audience audiences for two months using the parents demographic filters so that we only advertise to people we know have kids. Fast forward to last week, frustrated. I did yet another brainstorm to expand the audience. I created two new saved audiences with interests. I knew the target audience had, then narrowed the audience further by must also include parenting, motherhood, fatherhood, interests, not the parents' demographic filter. So that they weren't targeting parents exactly, but targeting interests and the filters that they knew mostly worked only with parents. And it worked. The new audience strategy gave us an audience size of three to five times larger than what I had before. And in just three days had generated more leads than was generated in the entire previous month. So if you're trying to target parents, maybe try some of those interests, parenting, motherhood, fatherhood, and report back to us. And that's it for paid. What's up in organic, Greg, besides those interactive search results? <laughs> well, <laughs> we have confirmation that the Google December Core 2020 update 
AKA the Scroogel update has been fully rolled out. I don't know. Do we ever come up with a winner? I think we had a tie. Um, let's just go with Scroogel. Scroogel. Okay. Anyway, uh, it's fully rolled out. So what you see now, you can throw in your annotations in GA and use this going forward. I believe the exact date that it was finally confirmed was the 16th. So go ahead and add 1216 to your analytics and Path Interactive, and I believe Lily Ray was behind it, updated their 1000 winners and losers. And the biggest winners were a few sites you probably never heard of, eBay, Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram. So the rich get richer there. And some of the losing domains were actually Amazon, Overstock, CDC.gov, mm. Pinterest, TripAdvisor, and Target. So there was some digging that went through to the CDC before, I believe it was vaccines.gov had dropped, but it seemed like a lot of news articles were coming up. And I'll get to that in a little bit, how Google's trying to get the right news surface. So again, I don't think there's any misinformation out there. I think it's actually a, a positive there. And next up, we have a little charity from Microsoft as they have announced you can access the free Microsoft Clarity Analytics product within Bing Webmaster Tools. So we talked about that maybe about a month and a half ago, the new analytics product that has the rage clicks from <laughs> Microsoft, <laughs> but you can now access it in Bing Webmaster Tools. It's in there called Microsoft Clarity Beta, and you can go through, set it up, and be able to access Clarity within that portal. And next up is the HTTP Archives Annual State of the Web. And it has arrived just in time for the holiday season. <laughs> and over at the HTTP Archive, their mission is to combine the raw stats and trends along with the expertise of the web community. This is a really well done document. There's an entire chapter on SEO. You can see almost anything that you want to know about the web in 2020. Um, in a nutshell, over, check it out in the show notes, marketingclock.com. Very, very well done. And you can see previous years to for comparisons. So love to see that data. Next up, this is the Barry Schwartz at Rusty Brick show here today because he has found a new grid format for top stories in search. And it looks cool. There's one big story at the top and then there's kind of a two column display. It, it reminds me of like a blog where you've got like a hero story and then your two column. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, I couldn't read it because it's in Spanish or Portuguese or something mm -hmm. like that, but it looks cool. So I like it, I ship it, we're good. Yeah, not reading it sounds like a you problem. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Next up from J.R. Oaks at J.R. Oaks, O-A-K-E-S on Twitter. And this is a whole thread about people also asked questions potentially being leading or loaded with the questions that are being asked. And if you look at the examples that J.R. found, they are like you're searching for Apple. And one of the people also asked examples that they give. The first one is, why is Apple so bad? You don't want that. Like, I understand people might also be asking that, but I'm, there's probably people also asking, like, what is the name of the stock? You know, like, I don't mm -hmm. know. I, I'm with JR. This is kind of a problem. And in looking at some of these things, like, is G2 Crowd legit? And it's like, somebody's searching for my brand. Just let, 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 let them find me. It's a brand search. But I wonder 
what those questions would have been like if you searched Android or Google reviews. Is Android the best platform ever? Yes or yes. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And from the official YouTube blog, the 2020 top trending videos and creators have been released and they show the top 10 trending videos of 2020. And Matt Southern over at Search Engine Journal had a great take. He said, the shortest of these top 10 trending videos is seven minutes and 59 seconds. And the longest is 41 minutes and 47 seconds. The average length is 18 and a half minutes. And the median length is between 15 to 17 minutes, which goes against everything that YouTube's doing with these shorts. So again, YouTube's making shorts and then TikTok's making longs and everybody's <laughs> everything. And it's all a big mishmash. Don't stop doing long video just because there's a new product out there. And like I mentioned earlier, Google is raising authoritative information when it comes to COVID. So they have a Google News initiative providing an additional $1.5 million to fund the creation of a COVID-19 vaccine media hub and support new fact-checking research. Maybe the reason that some of the CDC visibility has dropped because there's more to report on and more to show that is current. And Google has also let us know that back in July, they had announced the rich results test is out of beta and that they were going to depreciate the structured data testing tool. But that is no longer accurate. Now they're going to move it, which is awesome. So they're going to move it over to schema.org, but it will only validate schema standards. They won't show that Google rich result feature validation that was really cool that you could see if you did it the right way. If you still want that structured data testing tool, it'll be over at schema.org. It is not being depreciated. All right. And keeping at Google here, Brian Barwig spotted web search results in the Google Maps local results listings for an individual business. When you look at the example, you do, you just see what you see a full SERPs within the map. And I don't know if Google Maps is a social app anymore if it's a search app or if it's a mapping app, (laughs) I don't know. But I was doing a search for us. And the thing I hate is the people also search for It's sort of like the people also asked, right? Like, because Mm. even before the search results for a brand term, you see so many competitors and it's so annoying that you can't get rid of that. You can only push it down with posts. So I don't know. I mean, it would just be nice if there was less in there and it's just a map app to me, but I'm an old curmudgeon, so what matters to me. All right, and from nine to five, Google by way of BF of the show, Glenn Gabe, like the Pixel, the new Samsung Galaxy S21's home screen will reportedly offer Google Discover, which is huge for getting more users on Discover. If you got all the Samsung users getting on Discover, that's a huge win for Google and a huge reason why you should focus on Discover. We talked a little bit about it in our Web Stories episode uh, last month with Glenn Gabe and Samuel Schmidt, and we're going to be doing some more in a coming months here specifically about Discover. So don't sleep on Discover. And from Google Search Central, you now have more ways to listen to search off the record or on the record. And you can hear that on YouTube now. It is just a image with the audio there, but if you prefer YouTube, you can now listen to the video on YouTube, yay. (laughs) And lastly, from Search Engine Land, mobile has accounted for just 13% of digital sales at the end of 2014, but the numbers look different this year. 
as the habits have changed. In October, 2,000 U.S. consumers aged 21 to 45 said 62% of them said they used their mobile phones for the entire shopper's journey, a huge jump. But the real reason this is in here is because this is the last post from Ginny Marvin on Search Engine Land. She has moved on from Search Engine Land. And it's a big thank you from all of us here at Marketing Clock for all your work through the years. You have done the digital marketing industry a huge favor, a huge service, and we really appreciate it. And we owe you a huge debt of gratitude. So that's the Ginny story. <laughs> thanks, Ginny. We love you. Thanks, Ginny. You rock. Thank you. Flowers. That's it. <laughs> Those are beautiful flowers. Those are name, by the way, too. Um, all right. And that's it for Organic Jess. What's happening in social? All right. To start us off, do you guys have any plans tonight? Just go best. upstairs. Wow. Traveling. <laughs> yeah, I don't either, but you know where I'm still not going to be at 8 p.m.? The first ever live stream shopping event happening on TikTok. And when I say tonight, I'm talking Friday the 18th. So if you're catching up on the show a little bit late, you missed it. Sorry. But Walmart is hosting a live stream on TikTok during which, it's the first ever, by the way, during which users will be able to shop fashion items without leaving the TikTok app. And this sounds super lame to me, but I know that I know nothing. The host of this little shindig is Michael Lee, and he is a TikToker with 43 million fans. So I I think Walmart is going to sell some shirts. And really, like all kidding aside, I think this is cool to see feature-wise. So the shoppable product experience, again, this is the first ever live stream when it's happening, but hopefully it will expand to other retailers and could be awesome for anyone that is on TikTok, any brands. What if he doesn't sell a single shirt? They're like, ah, this sucks. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, he's not going to sell the one he's wearing in this picture because the string from his hoodie is in his mouth, which is a weird pose to choose, but maybe it's his thing. I know nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Probably not a coincidence here, but Instagram has added shopping tags to reels, which will allow creators to add product listing tags to their clips. Users can then click them to get more info and tap through to purchase. Oh, you know what? This is going to be great to sell somebody. A life. life. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say orange crush, but that was taken. (laughs) So (laughs) this is awesome. Instagram is also apparently testing just a test for now, but an option to then push reels into Facebook's newsfeed as recommended content. So all kidding aside, that's kind of smart. If this is going, if reels are going to be the next big e-commerce push, whether you're selling soda pop lives or otherwise getting more eyeballs on them from Facebook is not a bad idea. So we'll see if anything else comes of that. I really don't like reels. Was that a pun or are you just Yeah, well, it's a pun and feelings? the truth. It's a truth pun. <laughs> Hashtag truth pun. I only that like reels from Jessica Bud. I've only ever made one. And it was beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. I just want the video to go on longer. I want to see what's going to happen. I don't I don't need it short. I want to, I like, I don't know. They have YouTube for that, Greg. You can get your long form content and your shorts. Uh, Speaking of things being the old way, Twitter retweets will be returning to their original functionality after a test of prompting users to quote tweet instead that was intended to encourage more thoughtful amplification. Twitter found that people were just like making one word statements with their retweets, so it didn't really work. If you want to learn more about this, they posted an entire thread about it, and you can just pretend that I'm quote tweeting the link and saying read. 
Next up, Periscope announced their decision to discontinue their app this week. They tweeted some personal news. The Periscope app will be going away next year. We're here to say goodbye, waving emoji. We appreciate all the support, learnings, and broadcasts from our vibrant creator community. More on our difficult decision to discontinue the app. And then they linked to their official statement. And that was a really sad tweet. I think they should have lightened it up and gone with something funny like down Periscope. Oh, of course you came <laughs> up with that. Sorry, Periscope. <laughs> I had to. <laughs> In other not funny news, Jason Kent at Jason underscore Kent on Twitter tweeted, here is a link to a report on the German federal cartel office case against Facebook in February 2019, which Facebook appealed and then a judge intervened last June. It's a big deal and instructive as the first antitrust case against Facebook based on data practices. Feel free to read the entire article if you're a legal nut, but the TLDR is that Facebook's practice of super profiling or combining user data across different services with zero opt-out terms and conditions doesn't sit well with the federal cartel office of Germany or really anyone else. Interesting read. Sticking with Facebook here, the platform has officially launched its experimental app for making collaborative music videos, and it's aptly named Colab. So you can go download that if you want to make sweet music with your friends. I give them cuteness points for their tagline. It's band together. Very nice. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> and if you're a fan of collaborating, the newness doesn't stop there. Facebook has expanded their brand collabs manager to allow brands to search a listing of public Facebook groups that are eligible to partner with them on content. So brands using the collabs manager will be able to view insights into groups such as their audience demographics, sample posts, a whole lot more. This is a huge opportunity for group managers that have been putting a lot of their time into think thanklessly moderating comments about things like Taylor Swift's cardigan. There's no bad blood here. I'm hoping they can monetize the heck out of it and someday look back to December of 2020 as the start of something great. And Mark, are you, Chef's not here. Are you getting my references? I, I am. And I was about to say that it was exhausting to listen to. <laughs> Just like Taylor Swift. This is me trying. Okay. Yeah. I mean, those, those uh, songs there are evermore. Mm -hmm. I now have a blank space in my mind. Thank you. I was looking for, I was going to say blank space in wallets. Like I couldn't come up with a way to work that in. So I'm so glad you guys are with me. Hi, Chef. We miss you. Moving on. iOS users can now add their tweets into Snap as a sticker. And don't worry, Android people, that is coming for you soon too. So get excited. Something actually useful from Pinterest, some new features, including a note to self option to add private notes to boards, a favorites feature to view your most loved pins, and a new board toolbar that lets you do lots and lots of cool things. So check out the link in the show notes if you're a Pinterest power user and learn more. Facebook is working on a Cameo competitor that feels a little bit more desperate and less fun. It's called Super, and it will let creators, entrepreneurs, and celebrities host live interactive video events, and viewers can then tip creators by buying them digital gifts. So I want to know how many digital gifts it will take Satchel to do a reprise once Baby Chef is born. Hopefully not too many. And I don't know if you guys have ever heard of Squad, but I hadn't and nobody else will again because it has been acquired by the Twitter team and they're going to be using their expertise in audio and video to add to the Twitter creation space. So be on the lookout for more multimedia madness on the Bird Network in the future. Speaking of video, Reddit is poised to purchase TikTok rival and lip syncing app Dubsmash. So that's cool. I, video is probably a good move for Reddit. I don't need it. I like to just get lost in the conversation of the intellectual community on Reddit. But oh, well. 
And lastly, from BuzzFeed News, Facebook is developing a tool to summarize articles so you don't have to read them. And I would tell you more, but the tool's not out yet. Now it's time for this week's WTH. Misguided. You're like, who does that? <laughs> just get rid of it. I'm over it. Where we rant, rave, and roll our eyes about our trending digital marketing topic. What are we coming to? Honestly. See what had us asking. W-T-H. This week. All right. And this week's WTH comes from TechCrunch, MIT Technology Review, and Slate. And Timnet Jibru was a co-leader of Google's ethical artificial intelligence team. And she was fired last week, and she had said it was an email that she had sent to her direct report. So it was a little bit back and forth. Um, Sudha Pachai made a statement, a, a very, very vague statement. Um, but let's just take a look, at, and we'll, we're going to go a little bit long on this, but I think it des is deservedly so. And so she wrote a paper with uh, six people in total called On the Dangers of Socastic Parrots. Can language models be too big? And I might have said that incorrectly. And so two of the, the big names on it were um, Tim and Emily Bender. And so Emily gave a statement saying that the paper's goal was to take stock of the landscape of current research in natural lang language processing. She said, we are working at a scale where the people building the things can't actually get their arms around the data. And because the upsides are so obvious, it is particularly important to step back and ask ourselves, what are the possible downsides? How do we get the benefits of this while mitigating the risk? And this seems like right up the alley of an ethical artificial intelligence team as to like, look at the ethics of it. So the paper covered environmental and financial costs, massive data and inscrutable models, illusions of meaning. And one of the big things I think that was a reason for the controversy was some of the estimated costs of training a model one. And again, MIT Technology is able to get this and it shows the carbon footprint of what it takes for something like uh, BERT, right? And, and the carbon footprint in, in pounds of CO2E, whatever that is, and what the cloud computer cost of that is. And these stats are staggering where again, for, for BERT, it's between almost four grand and 12 and a half grand. And then you look at something like a transformer with 213 million parameters with neural architecture search, it's up to $3 million and 626,000 pounds of CO2 for the, as a carbon footprint, which is crazy. So you could see why Google might not like this. And so Jeff Dean, the head of Google AI said the paper didn't meet our bar for publication. And so this is these next part portions are coming right from Tinmit here. And it's a it's an interview style question and answer from Slate, which is a great read if you want to get to the bottom of it. And Slate asks, has anyone to Google said to you, this is where we had a problem or this thing you've put in under the paper undercuts one of our products. And Tinmit said, the first conversation we had was, you have to retract the paper. Some of the product leaders believe that the flaws are too much. And so Jeff Dean, in some email, told us he had issues after a skim. And I was like, what do you think it overestimates? What kind of changes are you suggesting? So on my Thanksgiving, I spent my whole day literally writing this amended document because they told me to retract it by Friday. And if I'm going to retract the paper, I at least want to understand what is going to happen after. Are we going to try to rewrite it? Or are you just trying to kill this line of work? What are you trying to do? Monday, 
I get an email that says, can you confirm that you've retracted the paper or taken your name off the paper? And I'm like, are you kidding me? I wrote this whole thing and you're not even acknowledging that I wrote anything. That's kind of how it went. Another question Slate asked was, do you think it was the email that got you dismissed or the paper? And she says, the reasoning to terminate me immediately was the email. And people in this email list are terrified to say anything because mind you, this is an email list for women and their allies to discuss the problems in this department with respect to diversity inclusion. And then another question that Slate asked was, what really seems to have angered Google is an email you wrote to an internal group, the Google Brain Women and Allies. There, you vented your frustration with what happened with the paper and what you saw is a lip service to diversity. And she says, I wrote a billion documents. I had a billion meetings. They just tire you out. They feel good about themselves for meeting with you. They don't do anything. And then if you try to push them on it or tell them they're doing something wrong, they tone police you. This has happened to me so many times. There is nothing in place right now that incentivizes them to do something different. But as long as there's no incentive for the leaders to do anything different, this document is not gonna help. Meetings are not gonna help. Nothing is gonna help. So that's why I was saying they should focus on leadership accountability. And there's a whole lot more. It is so very disappointing, but we'll just end with the final question that Slate asked where they said, what do you want people to take away from this interview? And she says, I'm human. I laugh and I talk and I can be pretty outgoing when you're painted as this unreasonable, angry person who needs to be de-escalated. It's dehumanizing. It doesn't tell a story of what you've gone through and what you've tried to overcome. And this is a heavy WTH, obviously, and it's unfortunately the way the Google is currently. And it's sad. And to me, there's, I think there's, there's two things that are driving the departure and the, the, the termination. Obviously, there seems to be some racism, sexism that's going on, you know, with, with this entire project. And, and also there's probably some cover-up. This, this Tinmet, I believe, is doing exactly what you're asked to do as an ethical AI team, looking at the pros and cons, but that's pretty damning what she had. And it's, it's, it's sad that they're just, I don't know, just not letting this see the, the light of day. It's, it's, it's so far how far we've come from do no evil or Google do no evil. And it's, it's, I, I don't know. I, 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 I'd love to get other people's thoughts on it out there. Call that marketingclock.com. Um, this whole thing just is sad. So WTH Google. All right, let's try to pick it up here a little bit. We'll head on to our segment segments, the miscellaneous here. And this comes from Taylor. T. Taylor with the O and Taylor is zero. And I'm just going to call this the holidays are canceled. Taylor Cohen says, LOL. And you thought you were going to be able to not work over the holidays. Apparently Coca-Cola has thrown every media and creative account up for grabs in global agency review. So if you're in an ad agency, thoughts and prayers. <laughs> <laughs> Now for this week's cool tool. As a reminder, our cool tool segment is not an official endorsement or paid mention. We're simply sharing something we found in our travels that may be of use to our listeners. 
and is really, really cool. This week's cool tool is the SEO Pro extension from Marketing Syrup. It's a free Chrome extension that allows you to see important elements of a page, such as title tag, internal and external links, structured data, all sorts of things with just a few clicks and no digging through source code, which is always nice. If you want to take the data with you, there's also an export to CSV feature. So it's great, wonderful stuff. You can grab the link from our show notes at marketingclock.com or just search for SEO Pro extension in the Chrome web store and check it out. Now it's time for our must-read marketing article of the week. An article so advanced, so in-depth, so detailed, that we simply cannot cover it in its entirety on today's show. All right, and this week's must-read marketing article of the week. They're not really articles, but there's two great tweet threads that you should read. And the first is from Maurice Romney, at M. Romney on Twitter. And he does a fantastic breakdown of the new iOS 14 ad tracking update. He covers everything. He used to work at Facebook, breaks it down so coherently as to why this is a problem for Facebook. And then the next thread you should read is from Sam Tomlinson at Sam I am on Twitter. And it's still going right now, folks, but he's got like 86 things about the Facebook, 86 posts in this thread about book antitrust lawsuit that, that's out there. So check it out over uh, on Twitter. Thank you, Maurice. And thank you, Sam. All right. That does it for today's show. It is now officially not Marketing O'Clock. Remember, you can catch everything from this show on marketingclock.com. While you're there, please be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. And we will see you next week. Thanks for listening to Marketing O'Clock, part of the Search Engine Journal Podcast Network. If you're looking for more information on today's topics, head over to marketingoclock.com for links to all the articles that we covered. And please be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode. And now we don't talk about marketing anymore. We just shoot the hack. All right. For this week's shooting the hack, I am back running things and we are bringing a game back. Matter of fact, everybody's favorite game, Travel Buddies. And Ooh. if you don't recall what Travel Buddies is, you have to go across the globe with one of two kinds of people. All right. And so, Jess and Mark, I'm going to need an answer from you. And this isn't just Travel Buddies. This is Travel Buddies, the Shots Fired edition, because we're picking apart some of our own weaknesses. All right. Oh, no. So be prepared. Oh. Okay. Travel Buddies. Who are you going on vacation with? Podcaster or blogger? I mean, podcaster. Yeah, I, I wholeheartedly agree with podcaster. Yeah, like bloggers going to have to write in their journal every night. Yeah, I wanted someone who's like talkative and fun and we're going to do like wild things and like record things. That is a great answer, but unfortunately it's the wrong answer because <laughs> they will be recording all the wild things that you shouldn't have had recorded. And then late at night, they're going to be putting down podcasts and blogging is a lot more quiet. So you're not going to get as much sleep. I'm sorry, you guys are wrong. And you're uh, for one. <laughs> everything I say is public record. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. Next up. Who is your travel buddy? Somebody with a fanny pack or somebody with convertible pants?
<laughs> this is <laughs> well, you know what my answer is because these are shots fired at us. <laughs> Wait, I... should I get one of my fanny packs? <laughs> Wait, one one second. Yeah, because I'm not gonna pick between the two of you. I mean, I think it's you, Jess. I think you have to pick this one. Well, Mark's not in the room anymore. He has walked away. <laughs> so Jess is picking because we're both excluded. So Jess, I think the question is really like, which fanny pack do you bring? So like, there's like this leather one with like the flames on it, or there's my see-through Adidas one, or this really fun one from Filet that's like fun (laughs) colors. I think that is the real question. Like, you're obviously picking the fanny pack. Um, you can like carry a lot of things without like weighing down your pants. They're very stylish. Um, if you're traveling with my fanny packs, people won't think you're a tourist. Um, it's it's really the best way to travel light and travel in style. All right, Jess, what is your all answer? I mean, you know, I'm team Mark and Mark is team Jess, but I got to go with the pants on this one because if I'm bleeding, I need a tourniquet and you can just take off the bottom of your pants. You know what, Jess? That is a very, very, very good thought, but is actually incorrect. You want to go with the person that has the fanny pack because the fanny pack can carry more things. If you've got a loose shirt, you can throw the shirt over the top of the fanny pack. If you're in a seedy area, nobody will pickpocket you. And it is actually, you're going to be able to do more things. You're going to be stopping having somebody put their pants on, the bottom of their pants on or off. So I really but, thought but they, we were going to get a they, point. You know, <laughs> could they two. pick pack you? <laughs> <laughs> I was trying right. to play to Greg's ego. He's the ref. And well, we you're still wrong. Lost. You're wrong. I'm, I'm, I'm just objective. No pandering. Objective, uh, objective uh, game. Objective That's what you got fired. for disagreeing with me. All right. I'll never so do then, it again. Never next again. up, we did this before when we compared it to CrossFit, but here we go. Vegetarian or keto? And Mark, you have to answer. Um, I hate keto, so vegetarian. Okay, now you're incorrect, unfortunately, (laughs) because for the most part, you would think that somebody that's keto is super annoying, but if you're keto, you don't have to eat and you typically fast and you just don't have hunger. So you're not gonna be dragged down by somebody that has to find something to eat at all times and then has to find the right thing to eat. So you're actually gonna be able to do more with somebody that's keto. But then but, you don't get to eat. because Yeah, like when I travel, I wanna time. eat. And I feel like a lot of places you could easily make something vegetarian, just like, okay, like hold the chicken. Okay, well, I, I'm sorry, you're, you're incorrect. You're 0 for 3, but I got a good feeling on this one. And this is gonna go to Jess. We'll have you answer this one for the team. Would you choose somebody with an actual mullet or a mohawk? I'm talking Chuck Liddell, thin mohawk. Who Who's are Chuck you? Chuck Liddell. <laughs> <A> mohawk. <laughs> I, I, Mark is here. Mullet, fashion mullet, because if anybody can bring it back, like Mohawks never went away, right? But mullets are back, and that's an innovative person, and I want to travel with an innovative person. I you I would agree with you, but the thing is, I don't think I think it's the Chuck Liddell that you missed there, because Chuck Liddell, those Mohawks that are shaved, nobody's gonna mess with you if you're traveling with that. I get it. You might miss a couple of little wild times with somebody that's that's partying all the time in the back and, and whatever. Um, but the mohawk, the chocolate on mohawk is intimidating and you will be much safer. So you're 0 for 4. And this one, 
you two can talk about here. And this is shots fired at our producer, Katie. Um, and who are you going to travel with? Somebody that is a 1800s recreation actor or somebody that is a live action role player or a LARPer? Oh, I'll let Jess go first. Jess, you are in the big recreation events, right? I am. I like to go to that. So I feel like the kind of trip I want to go on, I, like nothing it's against not a LARPers. Trip. You're with but this person. I, You're not. I, right. Yeah. Because my thing is, I really, I don't know about like, I feel like LARPers are like a little bit too intense for me. Like they're trying to create this whole like, game fantasy and there's like rules and like I just want to go somewhere but I'm also worried about like the angle we're coming at this because it's like are all of our like traveling things going to have to be like 1800s recreations no but she's gonna give you she being because she's our travel buddy she's gonna give you the fun facts like as you're walking down the street and doing modern things she'd be like did you know that this building used to be a morgue and the door is upstairs because they had superstitions and they had to bring the bodies in and the caskets up through up top and whatever and then she'd tell you what fabrics they were wearing and you would love it and then you would go drinking and it'd be fun is that your final answer Mark can call yeah. it, but <laughs> yes, that is our answer. Uh, unfortunately, you're wrong again because <laughs> there, the the one benefit you get with Larper is the weapons, right? You're gonna have weapons at all times. So why do we one. need weapons? Where are we traveling? Weapons. But the big thing is, is the recreation is shutting us down. Just imagine you're gonna be like, oh, let's go see the waterfall in Brazil, and you're gonna be like, oh no 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 no, it's time for the typhoid fever reenactment, and you just lay on the ground all day. You don't want to go with that. You want the weapons. You want the fun. You want the larper. Unfortunately, you're 0 for five, but I. I think we will get that fixed next time and we will see you next week.